0: Good morning everyone. We are celebrating today the only known cure for death. Now when you think about that for a minute, there's nothing that a person needs more than life when they're dying. Believe me, I've been there, I got the shirt. I had a heart attack a couple years ago and uh, was dead for a couple minutes. And I realized something that as you're laying there and everything goes black and then everything gets bright white and then you open your eyes and you're still here. And they said, you died for two minutes. You realize how important it is that you have life. Jesus said, I come to give you life and that more abundantly. If you have your Bible this morning, I'd like to invite you to open them to the book of John chapter 20, John 20. We're going to look at the story of Jesus resurrecting from the dead and the treasures that are found therein. And so there's a lot to this and understanding that as we read this, this is what has transpired into our world today, into the Christian world as well. Now we recognize that our calendars are dated um, 2022. Everything was counting down to the birth of Christ, then everything counts away from that as well. Jesus was a pivotal point in all of human history. That's why we actually did our calendars after him. It is interesting if you study the scripture that the Antichrist during the tribulation period will seek to change times and customs. Maybe because it reflects Jesus Christ. I don't know about that. But one of the things it says, he will seek to change times. So when we look at this this morning, we're going to see some interesting things. Let's pray. Father, as we go to your word this morning, I ask you that you would just bless it. Every person here just understands more, God, of your great treasure and your great resource that you placed in each one of us who love you, that are called by your name. And so now, Lord, may your Holy Spirit speak to us through your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Chapter 20 of John starts off, and it says, On the first day of the week. And by the way, friends, that's why the Christian church worships on Sunday. Not on the Sabbath, but on the first day of the week, commemorating the resurrection of Jesus Christ, just so you know that. By the way, Pentecost Sunday, 50 days after Passover, which would have been yesterday, Fifty days is also falls on a Sunday. And that's when the Holy Spirit was given to empower all those that are called by his name. Now, something important to remember. At times past, there was the Moseses and the Elijahs and the Jeremiahs. But the power of the Holy Spirit came upon the believers, so now it wouldn't just be an individual at a single place at a single time, but now for everybody to be about your father's business, supernaturally supercharged. Now, you can have a regular car, and you can have one that's supercharged. It's what blows a lot of, uh, of energy, air, into the, into the engine to add the horsepower. Hey, listen, friends, we need to be supercharged. And that Holy Spirit is for all of us today. Well, he says, on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene came to the tomb early. Now, remember, Mary Magdalene was a woman that was a prostitute. She'd been forgiven very much, and she loved very much. The Bible says, who been forgiven much, loveth much. Somebody asked me one time years ago, does that mean before I'm a Christian, I should go out and party hardy so that when I accept Christ, I'll have a lot to be thankful for? No. The truth of the matter is, whether you've been a goody two shoes or you've been the worst bar brawler in the world, we have all been forgiven so very much. Now remember, sin never does us good. It only does us harm. That's why God doesn't want us to sin. It isn't that God is a cosmic killjoy saying, well, you know, I really don't want any of my people to have a good time. God knows more about life. God knows more about what's rewarding than we do. We can say, well, I don't happen to believe what God says about the issues that are in the Bible. Go against those things and see where your life goes. When we start really realizing what the Bible has for you and me, God's got his very best and doesn't want any one of us to settle for a cheap imitation, second best, or a counterfeit. Now it says, on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene came to the tomb early. While it was still dark and saw that the stone had been taken away from the tomb. I like that. Mary was the first one that discovered it. You know, it's funny, we talked about this last week. When Jesus, there on Palm Sunday, stops on the edge of the city, looks down into the city and begins to cry over the city of Jerusalem. He said, Oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, today is your day. The Things that belong to your peace, but it's hidden from your eyes. It was their day of salvation. It was their day of having Jesus be king. And they missed it. We remember the first place that Jesus went was into the temple. And there is where he cleared the money changers and all those that were merchandising in the temple. And once he did that, then the Bible says he taught the people. But it infuriated the religious group of people. Religion, remember, is generally man's attempt to reach God. Jesus Christ is God reaching out to man. And there's a big difference. Because we're not saved, the Bible says, by things we do, lest anybody would boast about it. Well, look how good I am. I'm better than you. Well, what do you do? Well, I help blind dogs across the street. I wax my cat regularly. I'm better than you. You see, what's wrong with that? We don't approach God because of our good works. Because all of our good works, the Bible says, is filthy rags. But the Bible tells us that we approach God through the blood of Jesus Christ. That's what we're celebrating here today. Jesus, three days earlier, died on the cross in the story that we're reading. His blood covered our sins. Jesus hanging on the cross said, Telestai, it is finished. It is the word that is used by an artist when they put the very last stroke of paint on their painting, they go, Telestai, it is finished. Jesus said that concerning the redemption of all of us. It is finished. Any talk of Jesus going to hell and suffering in hell for our sins, that's pure false doctrine. Jesus' blood shed on the cross is what covered your and my sin. And that's good news because there's a debt that has to be paid. You see, this whole thing, God's a legal God. And as a matter of fact, people have asked this question. If God knows... The beginning to the end, which it says in Revelation chapter 22 is alpha and mega beginning and the end. What that means is God doesn't learn. He lives in all times presence. I don't know anything like that. Everything I know has a date tied to it. Whether it's a car, a gallon of milk, whatever. And by the way, you will see me go through the freezers or the refrigerators at the store looking for the latest date. I think we all do that, don't we? If you don't, you probably ought to start trying to do that. I'll save you some, some sour milk down the road. But the Bible says that Jesus did something for us that we couldn't do in ourselves. God lives in all times present. He's a legal God. And because He's a legal God, the Bible tells us back in the Old Testament, in the Levitical law, what God's standard is and the Bible says without the shedding of blood there is no forgiveness of sin well people might say well I'm not as bad as the guy next door but that doesn't make you righteous that might just make you better than the guy next door but the Bible says all of sin come short of the glory of God there's none righteous no not one we are not righteous in ourselves So we need righteousness from someone else. Now, of course, when we realize God's a legal God, we sin, there needs to be a sacrifice. This was what the whole Levitical law was about. For a particular sin, you brought a particular animal, it was slain in your place, the priest would put his hand on the animal, put his hand on you, and then the animal was slain. Transferring the sin to the animal, debt paid in full, you could leave. But you see, the problem is as the Bible tells us in Galatians, and the Bible tells us in other places in the scripture, the law was the schoolmaster, the teacher that brought us to Christ. In other words, when you really look at the failed humanity, we need help. Have you seen the newspaper lately? We're a mess. In all of the things that man does to fix the problems, It doesn't fix it. Well, we're going to have the United Nations, which will bring about global peace. How's that working for you, Ukraine? This past week, Russia threatened Sweden and another country saying, if you join NATO, we will use nuclear weapons. Friends, I don't think the UN's working very good. We need something else to bring peace. You know, the Bible said it's not within man to live righteously. I think that's individually, collectively, and globally. You look at all the things going on in the world today, and really, somebody said there's really nothing that will preclude to stop Russia from the Ukraine invasion, or China taking Taiwan, because they use their nuclear backup as their strong boy. Now, when you stop to think about this for a minute, friends, our world is not what it was in 1939, in the Second World War. We have these underdeveloped nations now that have nuclear weapons. And it doesn't matter if the bomb is made in North Korea or Iran, it'll wreck your day. It'll wreck the world. Interestingly enough, the Bible talks about this. Not only did Jesus die on the cross for our sins and give us life eternal, but he also told us what is going to go on in the days that we live in and the days to come. Now that is real encouragement to me because I realize a couple things. One, I can put my trust in him. And people often will say, well, if God already knows who's going to make it to heaven and who ain't, why do we have to go through this zoo we call living? I think it's a fair question. But it's not for God's knowledge. It's for ours. Did you ever think the things that you go through every day, you see the faithfulness of God, God gets us through. Mary Magdalene was forgiven so much. And we remember that she, in her forgiveness, what God had granted to her, she loved much. And it says here, she ran and came to Simon Peter and the other disciple whom Jesus loved. By the way, that would be John. Now, why does it say the other disciple whom Jesus loved? John often would refer to himself in the book of John as the disciple that Jesus loved. Is it that Jesus didn't love the other disciples? Or is it that John was the one who recognized God's love for him? I think John, when he recognized how much God loved him, change this perspective of life. And I I pray here today that that you understand how much God loves you. Now, I know sometimes we don't think God does because we have bad things that happen to us. And, well, God, if you really love me, why did you let this happen? And I know people who walked with the Lord for many years, but because their child died or they went through a divorce or lost their job or their house burned down or what something else, God, you don't love me. And they don't want to walk with the Lord anymore. Do you know what I believe? I believe God is bigger than than whatever happens to you in this life. Friends, that's great encouragement. If your house burns down, God's freed you up to move to Hawaii. Whatever it is that happens to you, you can't lose with Jesus Christ being king of your life. The Bible says that he allows things to come into our life and go out of our life to not only form our character, but to reach out to people. Well, if God really, I remember a guy, one of the first funerals I ever did. This man came up to me uh, after the service and he says, where was God when my little boy died? I, I said, um, same place. God was at when his son died. You see, God allows things to happen not from our perspective, but from his perspective. You know, a lot of times people think, well, he only die when you get to be 100 years old. Well, when a little baby dies, or somebody else young dies, that should remind all of us, tomorrow is not promised to any of us, what manner of people should we be? So he goes on here and he says, They came to Peter and the disciple that Jesus loved, John. And they have taken away the Lord from the tomb. And we do not know where they have laid him. And Peter therefore went out and the other disciples were going to the tomb So they both ran together. The other disciple outran Peter, who came to the tomb first. Now that says that John, in this little race, beat Peter. Because John was younger. Peter shows up then afterwards. John, stooping down, looking in saw the linen clothes lying there, yet he did not go in. Now, what's interesting here is it says saw. That means in the Greek, deeply concerned. He looked in and he's trying to surmise what's going on here. Then Peter came, following him, and he went right into the tomb. Now, why is that? To go into a tomb in those days, if you were Jewish, you would defile yourself. That's why they would whitewash the tomb. Where, uh, there, there's a lot of caves in Israel. I've been to Israel, and depending on where you're at, there sometimes can be literally hundreds of holes in the sides of the rocks. And if there's a dead body in there, what they would do is they would paint the outside of the, of the, of the cave white, whitewashed. To warn anybody, don't go in there. <laughs> it's occupied. Don't go in there. Peter, knowing this was a tomb, he didn't care. He just walked right into the tomb. I like that about Peter. Peter it, Peter's a, a kind of a man's man, if you know what I mean. He he would say things and then, sorry that he had said it. I, I guess it's the old adage, ready, shoot, aim. He kind of got the order of things wrong. He said to Jesus, I'll never deny you, Lord. I'm willing to go and die on the cross with you. And Jesus said, before the cock crows twice, you'll deny you know me three times. Couldn't believe it. But it happened just as Jesus said. But Peter was also somebody that was very dynamic in what he would do. I think it's interesting when you look at a overview of the disciples of Jesus, how they all had such different personalities and they had different political views. You had James and, 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 and John, sons of thunder is what they were called. They would be kind of like your, uh, um, they would be your pro Israel people destroy the Romans. And then you had Matthew, who was a tax collector for the Romans, all in the same group. I can't imagine the conversations around the campfires at night. You have the radical right. You had Matthew Levi, who was part of the Roman order in this group. I imagine they probably had some pretty toasty arguments when they went along. But it says here that John and Peter, Peter goes in and the handkerchief that had been around Jesus' head, not lying with the linen cloths, but folded together in a place by itself. Even Jesus, you tell your kids, even Jesus made his bed. I think that's really important. In other words, everything was folded, it was neat, it wasn't a picture of a struggle. And this goes into the different ideas of what really happened. And there was always these different theories that come out, what happened to Jesus. That You know, Jesus um, wasn't really dead. He was just kind of passed out, even though he was able to fool the Roman government who had saw a lot of dead people. And of course the disciples, they all believed Jesus was dead. We know that the Sanhedrin who was responsible for his uh, execution, uh, they were satisfied that he was dead. But he wasn't really dead, he was only partly dead. And they laid him in the tomb and the cool air refreshed him and he got up and he pushed away the stone and beat up the Roman guards after he tore all the grave clothes off of him and the hundred pounds of spices that were also stacked on top of him. He did all this. By by the way, if you believe that, that's probably a bigger miracle than what we're reading about. The Bible says that he... Folded everything up. Everything was nicely arrayed. It says, The other disciples who came to the tomb first went also in, and he saw and believed. For yet they did not know the scriptures that he must rise again from the dead. Then the disciples went away again to their own homes. Isn't it interesting to me that they saw this, no matter how many times Jesus told them he was going to die and come back to life, they still didn't get it. I wonder sometimes, I see this in me. God says things and I just don't get it a lot of times. But you know, once you really get it, and you really realize how much God loves you, I'll tell you, those things that God brings you through, build your faith for the next event in your life. Listen, nobody goes through this life, Christian or non-Christian, without events in your life. Heartbreaks in your life, all those things. But realize, the God, our God, will be with you always. Notice verse 11, it says, But Mary stood outside the tomb. Now, she didn't go home like the other disciples did. She said, they're weeping. And as she wept, she stooped down and looked into the tomb and saw two angels in white sitting, one at one of the head and the other at the feet, where the body of Jesus had been. Then they said to her, woman, why are you weeping? And she said to them, because they have taken away my Lord, and I do not know where they have laid him. Isn't it interesting that even though Jesus was dead, she still called him Lord. Why is that? Because she knew what Jesus had done for her, forgiving her of her sins. And now when she had said this, she turned around and saw Jesus. In other words, she didn't just stand there staring at the angels. She literally, after seeing the angels, just turned around and saw Jesus. Now, when she'd seen and turned around, saw Jesus standing there, she did not know it was Jesus. And Jesus said to her, woman, why are you weeping? Who are you seeking? She, supposing him to be the gardener, said to him, Sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have laid him, and I will take him away. Mary Magdalene says, you tell me where Jesus is, I'll go get him, I'll throw him on my shoulder, and I'll take him away. Notice something very interesting here. She did not know it was Jesus. In fact, if you'll do an overview study, All the disciples after the crucifixion, we're going to get into this in a second, went and barred themselves behind the doors because they thought they crucified Jesus. Hey, we disciples, were next. And they barred themselves. In fact, two of them just blew out of town. They went to Emmaus. They were going down the road. And Jesus caught up with them and said, why are you guys so sad? And they said to him, are you the only one in Jerusalem that hasn't heard what has gone on these last few days? And Jesus then begins to reason with them from the scripture. It was getting towards night, and they bid Jesus, not knowing it was him, to come and stay with them as they turned in to the inn. And so as they went in, Jesus was preparing dinner. He broke the bread. No doubt they probably saw the holes in his hands, it says. Jesus vanished out of their sight but they didn't know us him. We remember Jesus catches up with the disciples on the Sea of Galilee. They don't recognize him. Why don't they recognize him? I've, lit, I've read some crazy commentaries. Well, Jesus came back as a Chinese man and then Jesus came back as an Indian and then Jesus, no. Do you know the Bible tells us why they didn't recognize him? It's found in Revelation four and five, where the title deed of the earth is held up in chapter five. And then strong angel says, who's willing to take literally the scroll, the title deed of the earth, loose its seals thereof? And the Bible says John, the same John we're reading about, wept because there was no one worthy to open the title deed of the earth and take it back. By the way, this world is squarely in the hands of the devil right now, if you haven't noticed that. He opens, he said, who's able to take it? He wept, but then the Bible says, a lamb that had been slain, stepped out. I believe the marks that were in Jesus' body at the moment of death are still in his body. And we're going to see what it cost Jesus for us to be able to go to heaven. We know the hands, the the holes in his hands, and the hole in his side was there because Thomas says, "I'm not going to believe that Jesus rose from the dead unless I put my fingers in the holes in his hand and thrust my hand into his side where the Roman spear went in." Interesting, he said, "I'm not going to believe unless I see that." He makes his appearance to him about a week later and says, Okay, Thomas, here you go. Put your fingers in the holes. We know those marks were still there. The Bible says that Jesus was blindfolded and he was beaten. Now, usually, if you're going to get in a fight, usually you can dodge some of the blows. When you're blindfolded, you can't see nothing. And the swelling that would incur, plus the coat of nine tails as he was beaten by the Romans, people say, oh, well, Jesus was beaten 39 times. No, there's nowhere in the Bible that says Jesus was beaten 39 times. That mercy thing, 40 stripes minus one. Jesus wasn't beaten by the Jews. He was beaten by the Romans. They didn't go for the 39 grace rule or mercy rule. They just beat you till they got their confession. And if you didn't confess up to something, many people didn't even survive, let alone the 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 they didn't have to go to the cross. They died in the beating because it would just literally rip skin off your back and people a lot of times bled to death just from the the scourging. Jesus had nothing to confess so they just kept pounding on him. In fact, it was so bad that we remember when Jesus was carrying his cross up to Golgotha, he fell under the weight of, of the cross beam, and a, a, a Simon of Cyrene was commissioned by the, by the Roman government to carry Jesus' cross because he couldn't carry it himself. So you realize that when you look at what they did to him, those marks are still there. And I believe that when we get to heaven, and maybe not forever... Maybe not in all of the millennial reign of Christ, but I believe certainly all of us someday will see what they did to Jesus so you and me could go to heaven. And the Bible tells us here that Mary says, where, where you've taken him, I'll, I'll carry him back. And Jesus said to her, Mary, Mary, I think that word that she said to him, that he said to her, just identified who Jesus was. Now, remember, it was still dark, it says. And when he said that, now, everybody in this room, you know that someone you love, they call your name differently than somebody else does. I believe when he said Mary. She understood the inflection in his voice that this was Jesus beyond any shadow of a doubt. Look what her response was. He said, Mary, and she turned and said to him, Rabboni, or teacher. Jesus said to her, do not cling to me. I believe at this moment Mary put a hug on Jesus that squishing the stuffings out of him. I believe she was so shocked that he was alive. I believe she just wrapped her. You ever got a bear hug like that from somebody you haven't seen for a while? Well, I believe that was the bear hug that he got from her. I think she just said, No one's ever, I'm never gonna let you out of my my grip again. And Jesus said to her, Don't cling to me, don't don't squeeze the stuffings out of me. For I'm not yet ascended to my father, but go to my brethren and say to them, I am ascending to my father and your father, to my God and your God. Mary Magdalene came and told the disciples that she had seen the Lord and that he had spoken these things to her. It's interesting that some people acquaint this going back that... um, Woman was deceived in the garden and caused man to fall. And so God made it up and said, okay, I'm going to reveal myself first to a woman. And she goes and tells the men. I think that ought to make all you ladies feel good, that God revealed himself in person to a woman first rather than to a man. Then the same day at evening, beginning the first day of the week, when the doors were shut where the disciples were assembled for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood in their midst and said to them, Peace be with you. By the way, that is the message of God to you today in your life. Peace be with you. God wants to settle those things in your heart. You know, God has never told me, anybody, Understand all that I'm doing to you. No. This is where faith comes in. I just got to believe, okay, God, you're doing something. I don't know what you're doing. You do it. And God in his love and God in his divine foreknowledge of all things begins to work the very best for us. And I have found that God moves me, you around through circumstances in our lives, sometimes even very uncomfortable ones. That doesn't mean God doesn't love you, but that is where God primes you to be willing to do what God wants you to do. Sometimes God has to give you a dissatisfaction where you are at so you would be willing to accept what God wants to do new in your life. If you've gone through that, where all of a sudden you just can't get no satisfaction if you tried, well, it may very well be God's getting ready to do something brand new in you. Remember, God does not waste. And if you're a child of His, God prepares us through the circumstances of today and through His Word of what He's going to do with us tomorrow. And I know it's hard sometimes because we are impatient. We want everything. We want it now. I want instant on radios. And, you know, I mean, I don't know how the generation today would handle old tube type radios. Where you turned them on and you had to wait sometimes a minute for the tubes to warm up. So you started to hear something. Now, some of you don't know what I'm talking about. The big thrill was that you never really knew if it was going to come on after a minute. Because the tubes got hot, they would break down. You could, you could fry eggs on top of your radio, things like that. But I'm used to everything instant. I mean, I want an instant hamburger. There's a, a dozen different hamburger joints you can go to. You drive up and, and, and within a couple of minutes I can be eating my french fries. We're not used to waiting. And patience, the Bible says, is time is what God uses to accomplish His work. And remember, it's not just because of you. Other people observe God working in your life, and that lets them know that God is real. A lot of times we think, well, God just, whoa! now I'm in a brand new... Yeah, that's good, and God does that. And there are those lightning bolt Christian experiences my mom and my dad got saved the same day my little sister got real sick she had a kidney infection doctor came to my mom and she was on the verge of dying and my, the doctor looked at my mom and said if you know a prayer you better say it my mom said I was so far from God I grew up as a Christian as a child but the things of this life the second world war and all the crazy stuff that was going on then she said I was so far away from God I didn't even know but all I knew to do was pray And she said, I began to pray and ask God to intervene. And he did. And my little sister lived. My dad, in the same way, was raised as a Christian, got away from the Lord. And so they came to church the following Sunday. And the pastor of the church, I even remember his name, Ward Miller. I was five years old. Gave an invitation to receive Christ. And my mom and my dad went down and accepted the Lord. My dad had a lightning bolt experience. He smoked, he drank, he had bad language. Gone. I mean, like a light switch went on. All that stuff. He didn't go through withdrawals. He didn't go, no, he's done. New person. My mom, on the other hand, probably a little bit more like Peter, if you will, she accepted the Lord. Now, where she didn't really drink and stuff. She had a potty mouth. She was in the military. I remember kids at school, you know, your mom wears GI boots. That was just something you, you said to all the other kids. I said, yes, my mom did. And she'd stuff them down your throat. if you. It's the cross, right? And I remember she, she said, I remember she was witnessing to her friend about her accepting the Lord. And she was saying, you know, it's really neat. God's come in my life and, and he's, he's changed me. And the girl says, well, how has he changed and She says, I don't use God in my cuss words anymore. She was really happy about that. My mom was a slow process of God refining her. My dad had a lightning bold experience. I believe that If you look at the disciples, you'll see some did have, in fact, a lightning bolt experience. Others, it was over a process of time. Both valid, both honored by God, but God works with us at our speed. And I believe this is what we find. The disciples, scared to death, the Jews now, we're next. Huddled inside the room, two of the other disciples, they said, we're out of here. We're going to Emmaus. Jesus goes and walks alongside of them. They realize that it was Jesus. He vanished out of their sight. The Bible says they got up and went back to Jerusalem at that moment. Here it says, now in this he showed them his hands and his side. Verse 20. And he and his disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. Then Jesus said to them again, peace to you. He said it twice. As the father has sent me, I also send you. By the way, that's us as well. You're sent by God. You are God's ambassador, the Bible says. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. Verse 23 is important to understand because this applies to you. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven. If you retain the sins of any, they are retained. Now, you stop and say, well, wait a minute. I thought only Jesus could forgive sins. That's right. We're learning. But here's the thing. We're as ambassadors. And I can tell you today just what Jesus said here. And you, yourself, can tell anyone you know, if you accept Jesus Christ as your Savior, your sins are forgiven. You have all authority to say that. That is not reserved for a priest. That is not reserved for a pope. That is not reserved for a minister. That is reserved for anybody that's in Christ Jesus. If you accept Jesus Christ today, your sins are forgiven. But you can also say, if you reject Jesus Christ, your sins remain. That's the authority of the believer. Friends, the Bible says, you're his ambassador's. That's who you are. Now, if you're not a Christian here today, by God's word, I can tell you if you accept Him as your Savior today, you're forgiven. If you reject Him, substitute religion, substitute whatever uh, thing you want to do, your sins remain. There's only one that will forgive your sins. Jesus said in John 14:6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. In that verse, Jesus said, All religions of the world are bogus. Wow. Pretty important to know who Jesus is. Because he said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. So when you see the bumper stickers that say tolerance, or coexist, or chrislam, that's why Christians can't do it. Because Jesus said it. I didn't. That's who we are in Him. But Thomas, called Didymus, one of the twelve, was not with them when Jesus came. And the other disciples, therefore, said to him, We have seen the Lord. But he said to them, Unless I see the hands, his hands, the print of the nails, and put my finger into the print and the nails, and put my hand into his side, I will not believe and after 8 days his disciples were again inside thomas was with them this time jesus came the doors of being shut jesus stood in the midst and said to them peace to you this is the third time he said it by the way it says with the doors locked closed he just appears Now, real quick, Paul says, we're not exactly sure what kind of body we're going to get in the resurrection, but this is what he says, we know and we see him, we'll be like him. You're going to get the same body. And to rule and reign with Christ, with a body that can go through locked doors, just imagine those that are counterfeiting during the millennial reign. Can't go for that, you know. That's going to be kind of a neat thing. Then he said to Thomas, Reach your finger in here. By the way, he knew what Thomas said. I think God knows what we all say. I don't know how he does that, but he does. Reach your finger here and look at my hands and reach your hand here and put your, put your hand into my side. Do not be unbelieving, but believing. And Thomas ans- answered and said to him, My Lord and my God. You know, anybody that says, nowhere in the Bible does it say Jesus is God, hasn't spent much time reading the Bible. Uh, Thomas wasn't swearing here. He was saying who God was. My Lord and my God. Remember, Mary Magdalene also called him Lord, thinking he, he was dead. So he says, Jesus said to him, Thomas, because you have seen me, you have believed. Now here's where we are in the scripture Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. So we're blessed. We're just blessed because we haven't seen, but we believe. Notice it says, And truly Jesus did other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not written in this book. But if these things that are written... You believe that Jesus Christ is that Jesus is the Christ, the son of God, and believing you may have life in his name. The next chapter deals with more of what Jesus did after the resurrection. But, you know, this morning we're going to stop right here at verse 31. But these are written that you might believe that Jesus is the Christ, the son of God. So I always direct people to read the book of John. These things are written in this book that you might believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. I pray you know that today. Because God's got a great reward for you. Not only in heaven, but a life worth living here. A life without regret. He says that you would have life in his name. You know, again, we celebrate the only known cure for death here today. I pray today that you have accepted Christ as your Savior. You know, the Bible says, if we believe in Him, we will not perish, but have everlasting life. Now, the word believe there doesn't mean to make acknowledgement of, because the Bible says the demons believe and tremble. But there's a difference in the word believe. Believe means I put all my faith, hope, and trust in. That's what it's talking about here. Not simply making acknowledgement of. This morning, if you've never really accepted Christ as your Savior. You're freewheeling. You're doing your own thing. You've adapted philosophies of the world to pave over the ache and the nagging of your soul. Well, he with the most toys, when he dies, wins nothing. Today's your day. You see, you need a reason to live for, a faith to live by, and a self you can live with. If you don't have a self you can live with, friends, that's why you drink. That's why you get loaded. That's why you get stoned. Because you can't live with yourself. You need a self you can live with. Second thing you need is a reason to live for. What's your reason to live? Think about that for a minute. What causes you to get out of bed in the morning and put your shoes on and shuffle across the floor and eat breakfast? Well, I look and see if my name is on the obituary column. If I'm not on it, then I make coffee. A reason to live for. What's your reason? See, in other words, God's purpose for you is greater than just existing. And the last thing you need is a faith you can live by. What lights your fire? This morning, I pray that God changes you from death to life. No purpose to eternal purpose. No reward to an eternal reward. That's what God does. Because he loves you. King of kings, Lord of lords. He came to his own, his own received him not. The Bible says he's coming again. In fact, the Bible says he's coming as a thief. Not the second coming of Christ, where lightning flashes from the east into the west. And every eye sees him. But know there's going to be a special For Christians, it's called the rapture of the church. It's called the caught up in the Bible. And it means that God's going to take his bride home. And then the world's going to get what they always wanted a world without God. And the Bible says, unless those days were shortened, Revelation 16, there'd be no flesh saved. That's how bad it's going to be. It's not the dawning, friends, of the age of Aquarius. It's not John Lennon's song, No heaven above us, no hell below us, above us only sky. No, the Bible says man will enter the darkest days in all of human history. insomuch that God gave the tribulation saints their own book, called the book of Revelation, to know what's coming next, to encourage them that when their time comes to be beheaded for their faith, as the Bible says they will be, They'll have the strength to do so and the fortification from God's word to saying, Yes, everything the Bible has said so far has happened just in order. Yes, I can believe this. I can believe God. But Jesus said, interestingly enough, also in John chapter 16, where he said, Unless those days were shortened, there'd be no flesh saved. Jesus said, Blessed is he. I'm coming quickly. I pray that not only. Do you accept Christ as your Savior? That you lay up for yourself treasure in heaven. But the greatest of all that is that you get to go when he comes back. Moment twinkling of an eye, Paul says, will be transformed. And we'll be caught up to be with him in the air. Friends, I'm looking for the upper taker. He's coming all the signs are there. People say, well, they've that for years. Yeah, but you know what? Jesus said a principal sign is Jerusalem under, and, under Jewish control. Luke chapter 21, if you go home tonight, you might want to read that. He says that the generation that sees this will not pass away till they're all fulfilled. Friends, we're at the end. All hands on deck be about your daddy's business, all the stupid things that we think are so important, lay them aside, do what your dad called you to do. You're the one that's going to be blessed throughout all of eternity. If you've never prayed and asked Christ in your life, we're going to pray right now. And you can ask the Lord into your life, all those listening by radio and internet, you can pray as well. And we're going to pray, and you're going to surrender, if you want, your life to Christ. And say, okay, God, what time I have left is yours. I repent of all the stupid ways that I have tried to define my life. And God says, we're going to start brand new today here. And if you're a Christian, maybe like my parents were, they knew the Lord, they got away from the Lord because the cares of this life drowned out, the voice of God, I want to just invite you to come home today. It's your day. Of salvation, Let's pray. Father, I come to you in Jesus' name. And I ask you to forgive me of all the silly, foolish things that I've done in my life. In some way trying to define who I am. And so now I turn my life over to you. And I believe Jesus died on the cross for me. And his blood covered my sins. And so now, fill me with your Holy Spirit. Empower me to be about your work. I believe you rose from the dead. And Lord, raise my heart from the dead as well. It's been so dead, it's been so empty. I don't want another 15 years like I just had or 10 years. Your word says you'll write my name in your book of life that I can spend eternity with you. So do that now. And help me, God, each day live for you, read your word, and be a blessing to your kingdom in Jesus' name. Amen.